talking earlier, I remember the 2001 World Championships and, and sitting in Commonwealth Stadium while, while the marathon was going on right. and, and the helicopter shot. And we're watching this on the screen and I'm like, man, that is beautiful. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> and none, of, none of us had uh, seen Horlack Park from that view before. And, and uh, you're, you're totally right. It's a, it's a significant jewel of the community. And Hi, everyone. I'm Rob Lullisher with Yeg Me, the podcast. Every week, we'll be chatting with some great people in Edmonton. It's our chance to learn a bit more about them and have them share some of their Yeg-centric stories. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. It's Rob Lullisher with Yeg Me, the podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Excited to have our guest this week. This guy, he rocks the event world and has for many, many years, <laughs> and... and uh, Really happy to have Stephen join us. We've got Stephen Bordeaux. He is the general manager of the World Triathlon Series of Edmonton. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming along. <laughs> no problem. So, uh, you know, for folks' benefit, give us the the Stephen 101 uh, growing up in the region. Oh, what's geez. What's going on? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been an Edmontonian and St. Alberton for over 30 years. Good, good. Moved out from out east, from Ontario, Ottawa, to be so exact. You're an import. Uh, I'm an import originally, okay. hence good, the good. last name, Bordeaux. Very <laughs> French name. And I learned very quickly that nobody on the prairies actually speaks French. Not too many. And petite peu. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm for the generation Edmontonian with a French last name, and I, I joke the French has been beaten out of us yes. uh, by this point so yeah. far. It was I used to do a lot of international travel, and when I would tell people I'm from Canada and they would see my name, they would start speaking to me in French. Yeah, and then I would try and explain to them, no, no, I don't speak French. <laughs> like, no, 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 I don't believe you, Stephen Bordeaux. You must speak French from Canada. Well, you and, rocked the accent yeah. pretty good. <laughs> but it was always I would always stick use it as an opportunity to educate them that, you know, there's there's a part of Canada that speaks French and then yep. there's the other, you know, 90% of Canada that Keep doesn't them speak guessing. French. Keep <laughs> them guessing. Good stuff. So, yeah. That, and then, you know, growing up in St. Albert, I grew up in St. Albert. Okay. Elementary, junior high, high school. Went to the University nice. of Alberta. What high school did you go to in St. Albert? Paul Kane High School. Paul Kane Blues. <laughs> Big shout out. That's right. And then to U of A? Then the U of A, yeah. Right on. Yeah, I did my international business degree at yep. the U of A. Um, now, did you have a sense at that time that, that events was something you really wanted to get involved with? Or? No, not at all. Oh, okay. To be honest, okay. I had no idea events was even a, like a career. I, you know, yep. you kind of, you didn't really think you take advantage or you think, yep. take it for granted these big, massive community things that go on, like the Fringe and Folk Fest. And I'd been to all those events as a teenager and even like hockey tournaments and yeah, or there's games, just, but you don't think... Just well, figure they magically happen. Exactly. You don't realize that there's hundreds <laughs> of people and thousands of hours of work behind the scenes making these things happen. And it was my first job yeah. right out of university. I got brought on as, you know, a student um, with the World Triathlon. Okay. okay. So uh, back in 2003. Yeah. And uh, did you go looking for that opportunity or... or? Did they, did the event come to the U of A looking for students? How'd that work? No, it was, so it was through a family friend, okay. a good friend of mine yep. who was originally offered the job, uh, but at the same time he had a job offer from the bats. Ah. And so what kind of newly graduated 23 year old guy doesn't want to work for a beer company? Hey, beer went into the number one <laughs> position. Uh, you got the consolation prize. I got the consolation prize. So I, so he put my name forward for it. And then uh, I went for my interview, quote unquote, which yep. was really, I went to this lady, Sheila Kelly, 
uh, who had been running the triathlon for a number of years. Um, it was I got invited to her family dinner. I, sent, I came to her house all dressed to the nines, thinking I'm here for my interview. I had my resume all set to go. And I walk in the door, and her whole family sitting at the dinner table, and there's an empty seat, <laughs> and it's for me. <laughs> So I joined dinner and we talked a little bit about triathlon up, and yeah. that was it. Um, by the end of the night, I had the job and nice. so that was my first foray into events. And it's been almost right. 20 years. 20 years since now. Um, give me the elevator pitch of the events you've involved, been involved with uh, up, up to this point. Sure. Um, quite a bit. Uh, so my first job was with World Triathlon Edmonton. Okay. Uh, so we were, we were an organization that essentially any sporting event out of Horlack Park was our baby. I see. Yeah. So we did the World Half Marathon Championships in 2005. We did the Masters Games in 2005. We did a number of national triathlon events, yeah. World Cup triathlons, uh, national road running championships, cycling events, so on and so forth. Uh, and then funny enough, I was um, inadvertently recruited by the International Triathlon Federation. So we had one year we were doing a workshop. Because you speak French. I guess so. They knew. <laughs> I speak French from Canada. This is great. Uh, and uh, we were hosting an event organizers workshop. Okay. Uh, and um, my media person, the chair from media committee, Chris McLeod, who was at Athabasca University for many years, is now at Global Edmonton. Or Edmonton Global, I should say. Former guest on the Yegmi podcast. Oh, there you go. You know Chris. Yeah. So, so yeah. he <clears throat> he was supposed to give a, a presentation about media services and media relations okay. around yeah. a major event and uh, to a packed house. Uh, and he called about an hour before, saying, "I'm not able to make it. Sorry, something's come up." You know. And, and so I stepped in at the last minute, yep. gave his presentation, answered questions. And at the end of that, the the Secretary General of the International Federation, who was in the audience, walked up and said. Yeah. We need someone like you to come and build us a media department. We don't have a media department. We use contractors and such, but we need somebody on staff. So would you be interested in coming Jeez. to work for us? So I sort of, well, You're doing pretty good from the uh, silver uh, <laughs> podium here, the second choice, or, or yeah, turning exactly. into gold it's, each time. So I was, uh, I was offered the job to be the you know, media marketing manager for the International Federation. Um, and to me, I, I was 25 at the time. And they said, you know, listen, we want to fly you around the world. Put you up at these events. You don't get paid a lot, yep. um, but you know we'll let, we'll help. You know you'll be part of the team that'll go around and put on these events all around the world. So there was uh, about twenty events a year that I, I would be part of the team wow. in different countries, and uh, it's I, I always say I, I've seen or I've been around the world, but I haven't seen any of it. Okay, I've yep. seen hotels, From a hotel and, and a venue. Sites, <laughs> that's pretty much it. So, no. but I was very lucky, and then my yep. wife and I decided to have kids. Um, okay. And then change that up a little. Change that up after four years, yeah. um, when we had our first daughter, our eldest daughter, and you know, I was getting tired of reacquainting myself with my daughter every time I came right, home. Right. She wouldn't know who I was. Now, one of those stops was the the Olympics, was it not in Vancouver? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, I was actually at the Beijing Olympics. Okay. Uh, and okay. got some experience there. Very cool. And then living in Vancouver at the time, yeah. Lee decided the federation wasn't a good fit anymore. Okay. Uh, I went and worked at the Vancouver Olympics. Nice. Yeah. So any uh, any great Edmonton moment you can think of at the uh, Vancouver Olympics that jumps out? Oh, a great Edmonton moment. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Funny enough, <laughs> I think every volunteer on Cypress Mountain in the media area was my friend from Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> that you grew up with. <laughs> they were. It was, you know what? Um, the, the Vancouver Olympics had a very strict protocol of volunteers okay. and applications and so on and so forth. 
But uh, I was able to get so essentially one, a bunch of my buddies. Once one got through the gate, uh, away you went. That was it. So the whole, the whole Edmonton, almost the whole the whole wow. media crew up on Cypress yeah. Mountain was from Edmonton. How long would you have been on site at the Olympics for for that? So it was a six but, month okay. uh, games time contract, yeah. uh, and I was up on the hill for three of those months. Wow! And it was uh, so Cypress Mountain, of course, was the the mountain without any snow. Okay. Uh, and it was, we all came out of that with a new perspective of what it takes to put on an event. Pull on an event, yeah. And it was, I remember, I mean, geez, it was like a war zone some days. There was literally helicopters flying overhead, picking up snow from surrounding mountains and dumping them on the mountain. And there was these big craters. So what, what we ended up doing, because we didn't have enough snow, uh, even though it looked great on TV. Yep. So the whole mountain was brown, except for this white strip, which was the courses, which is what you saw on TV. So we had to truck and fly all that snow in, <laughs> all wild. of it. There was not an inch of snow on Cypress Mountain. Uh, and all day for three weeks, all day every day, it was just dump truck after dump truck after dump truck after dump truck coming and dropping off snow. Uh, and so what we had to do for the venue is the plan was to have about, you know, stack yep. up about 15, 20 feet worth of snow and then build our courses on it. Uh, we only had about three feet of snow on the okay. whole venue. The rest of it was hay bales. So all the jump, all yep. the spectator area, everything was hay. So it was, you know, three or four hay, hay bales now. stacked. Oh. Hay now. And, and with plywood over top. And then we put about two feet of snow oh, on top wow. of that plywood. And it looked great. Nobody could tell the yep. difference except we knew. Looked good. What did the athletes have to say about that? Uh, you know what? The athletes talked very good things about it. Okay. So much yeah. such that I believe that, you know, FIS, the International Federation for yep. Skiing, this is part of their contingency plan now. When they go into a venue and there's not enough snow to build features and jumps right, and things right. like that, they use this hay bale and uh, or straw. Sorry, it was very important that it was straw, not hay, because hay, I get straw doesn't have the seeds or something like that, so you're not introducing. But it it I, was um, I failed agriculture class. I I missed that lesson that day. It was, but yeah. I I was on a conference call with um, John Furlong okay. uh, and a number of people when essentially the. John sort of in his very Irish way, uh, sort of with in between a bunch of swear words, <laughs> committed to, you know, whatever it takes to get this venue going. Yep. Now, you know, budget. I don't care about budget, finances, you know, contingency. What's the price of snow these days? Uh, it was, well, I mean, these helicopters flying overhead, these huge no, Concorde. No helicopters. doubt, I can it only was imagine. thousands yep. of dollars an hour. And yep. the, I, I feel really, uh, you know, the people that got the contracts, to bring in this snow and this straw, I mean, it must have made their year, their decade, because it was I'm just it. Thinking there's a there's a good Edmonton export business uh, <laughs> down the road here. What to do with all that snow we have? But it was, That's you know cool. what? It was it was cool. It was very cool. But by yeah. about the third week, um, all of a sudden, we started coming up on venue, and there would be these huge sinkholes on venue because the straw started decomposing and heating up from underneath, and so it was melting the snow from below. So we'd show up on morning, then some day, nights when it would rain overnight, yep. and there'd be these huge sinkholes, and you could stare down about 15 feet down to the ground through the, the straw. <laughs> and so you just take a piece of plywood, throw it over top, put some snow over top, and <laughs> hope to God nobody fell through. And that's, yeah, it went great. You know, it was the Golden Hill, the, the most Hollywood medals, ski set. Uh, and it was, yeah. But it was, it was an experience, that's yeah. for sure. Now, is it the... You know, from from school, getting involved with the games is is that something? Have you encouraged young people to to consider a route like that? To, I, to yeah, get into the what? event business, or 
I do. Um, it's I when I was working at the city of Saint Albert. Yep. Uh, I was I was selected to come for the you know uh, career days with the kids, um, and they would select me because I had a bit of a different career path right, than the average. Right. You know, it's they had the police officer and the engineer yep. and the IT specialist and the firefighter and so on and so forth. Uh, and then I would come and talk about you know there's this whole other sector um, around events, and Edmonton is an event community. Very it's a major so. hosting strategy. It's a major yep. tourism strategy for them. It's a it's a very viable living that you can yep. have off of events, uh, and p- a lot of young people, especially, don't know that. They think like I thought when I was right. a teenager that these things just happened. It's good for the week. Yep, pops and, up. Away you go. Yeah, exactly. And it was so. Uh, I would always say, you know, yep. this is a real sector, um, and yep. there's lots of opportunities. I mean, the frame yep. between all of the major events in Edmonton. I mean, there's hundreds of people that are employed. Well, tell us about the one you're involved with at St. Albert. You're in the International Children's Festival, which is definitely a northern Alberta uh, event, not just St. Albert. And uh, how many years did you do that for? Yeah, so I was the festival producer for five years at the Children's Festival, which was, I was a little unsure uh, because I've always done sporting events. Right. And I said, well, you know, this is an arts and cultural event. I don't know, you know. Traded in for boogers and uh, (laughs) screaming kids. Young kids and (laughs) it's art. I'm not, you know, I'm not a big art guy. I don't know. Um, But I applied for it thinking, oh, I'll never actually get the job. Uh, And I did get it, uh, which I was very surprised. And I learned very quickly that the fundamentals of a major event are the fundamentals. Very much. Whether you're dealing with athletes yeah. or artists, it's the same nuts and bolts yeah. that go into an event. So it's just that, you yeah. know, that talent piece that's a little bit different. Um, and so it was, I really, really, really enjoyed yeah. that aspect. Which takes us to what you're doing right now. And that's, uh, was a year now or two years almost with the uh, Just with over the a year. Okay, just over a year. So we're close. Uh, you know, and, and really, you're just getting going, and what's to come with that? And tell us a bit about uh, what, what the plans are for, for Horlack and beyond. <laughs> Horlack, yes, our lake in Horlack. So, um, so Edmonton in t- 2020, August of next year, is hosting the Triathlon World Championships. Uh, and so it's the, it's the number one largest triathlon event. Uh, in the world. Wow. And now, now, is that by, by viewership or by participants? Both. Okay. Both. Okay. So, um, triathlon's unique. Uh, it's the only Olympic sport that hosts its professional elite world championships with its master's world championships. Okay. So, a lot of events like athletics and cycling, they have their pro races that you see on TV yeah. with professionals and so on. And then they have master's world championships, which is a you, you and I, if we choose to try and qualify to represent Team Canada, then, you know, we go to these events. Uh, And triathlon does it together. So um, the event, you know, not only comes with an international broadcast and television, and I think it's like 200 million people will watch the event. Wow. So it puts Edmonton on that stage with the professionals. But it also comes with 6,000 visitors to Edmonton that are here participating in the master's component. So, you know, it's real hotel room nights. It's going to be a busy, uh, busy time in the city. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a unique challenge. Um, it's a unique event. And I was, um, excited that when Edmonton wanted to host it in 2020, that they approached me and asked if I would come because of my background and history in the sport, if I'd come, you know, be the GM for it. And I thought, ah, why not? Now it's a, it's well over a year away. Are you, are you, feeling good are you on pace are you are you nervous right now are things coming uh, together as you need it to so uh, 
I, I've sort of started saying that, you know what, in this in this role, I've worked more overtime in the first five months than I did in five years yeah. at the city of St. Albert. Um, <laughs> and I've had more sleepless nights already, and we haven't even hit the crunch time. <laughs> You're not yet. even a year. Yep. And uh, you know what, it's a lot of people don't realize how much it takes to put on an event like this. You know, I often tell people what I do, uh, and the second question out of their mouth is, oh, so what else do you do? Right, right. And they don't realize it's a full-time gig. I can totally understand that. And and, uh, you said 6,000 participants just on the the master's side. Mm -hmm. And and those folks, you know, they treat it like it's their vacation, right? So it's the event brings them for, it's a great tourism injection to to the city. What what type of impact do they they feel an event like this has on the city of Edmonton? Uh, So with any major event, uh, whether sporting or culture, Edmonton events in the city do an economic assessment. So for this one, they've they've estimated at 44 million economic impact. Good little chunk of change. Yeah, and it's you know it's new dollars. Like okay. it's tricky because a lot of major events because they're so heavily reliant on government funding. Yep. You know their economic impact sometimes is um, a little bit skewed. You know a lot of it's that public funding going back into the economy, like it's not yep. new money. Um, but because of this event and some events that attract an international audience and international visitors, it's it's new money. Right. Right. Well, that's awesome. That's uh, pretty exciting. So when all these folks come to town, I want to nail you with a couple uh, Edmonton <laughs> questions. If, if you had to take, uh, uh, of course, outside of the event, what, what do you hope that all these visitors to Edmonton uh, will get a chance to see when they're in town? That's a really good question. We, uh, one of our sort of key values for this event is, you know, trying to make an impact locally and try and showcase Edmonton. Um, and it's not... You know, it's not just doing the sport. Like, it's just not, you know, the athletes come down to Horlack Park, they do their race, they leave. But we want them to take a little bit of Edmonton away from them, with them. And uh, so we're building through a program that's really, you know, it's based on the, the, the idea is based on the Travel Alberta's EQ, okay. um, which is, you know, what's your sort of visitor uh, experience that you want to have. So as a tourist and as a traveler, you know, there's the people that want to see all the museums. There's the people that want to, you know, be embraced in local culture. There's yep. the people that want, you know, the VIP yep. upscaled experience. The foodies. The, the foodies, yep. exactly. Yep. So we're trying to build experiences around each of those sort of EQs, they're called. Now, is that on your team or, or is it something, are you looking to the to the business community to, like, are the opportunities for them to come get, but they have to come get it? Yeah, we uh, that's ideally. Um, yeah. You know, our team, uh, we've got a team of about a dozen people to put this thing on. Uh, and to be successful, it needs, you know, to find the local partners to do right. it. So yep. it's finding the local shops, the local tour guides, the, little, the local organizations right. to help kind of make these experiences right. happen. Yep. And so my hope is that, you know, these 6,000 visitors that are here, when they leave, they're like, wow, I really felt like I know what Edmonton's about now. Right. They got a good taste of everything. Yeah, yeah. which is, it's, it, to be honest, it's proving a little tricky because even if you ask Edmontonians what Edmonton's about, sometimes they have trouble putting it into just, words. Just, yeah, defining it, it, yeah. it uh, what makes it so great. So if uh, uh, they ask you as the uh, Edmonton Frenchman to uh, <laughs> pick the best best little uh, cafe, pub, restaurant, what have you in town, where, where would you tell them to go? Uh, I've got a few favorites. Um, Are you going to try to get cafe? politically correct? Uh, <laughs> pick a few on me? So my, my favorite cafe, the spot in town, is the Columbian. Okay, um, where's that? So it's located just by the Royal Museum, okay. or the old Royal Museum. The old Alberta one, Museum. okay. So it's on Stony Plain, uh, and I would say probably about 119th. 
It's a small little strip mall in Glenora. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's, it's so it's not in that high street area. It's, no. It's further west. From, it's further west, yeah, okay. across the bridge. Um, yep. And it's the, you know, it's a little strip mall. It's got a travel agent beside it, I think a dentist on the end, and then the Colombian. Uh, and, you know, it's, they roast their own beans. Oh, okay. You know, it's free trade, and it's just. I should say further east from, from high street, because 119th street. Correct. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. The other yeah. way, further east. I was going the wrong way with, from with my, 124. my brain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. So that would oh, be my cool. that would be my spot. They do yep. a great uh, breakfast sandwich and. Okay. I'd that, rec- that sounds I'd like a pretty good uh, pretty good spot. Is there is there some some shopping around there? Is there there's some fun little Edmonton shops that you wish just more people knew about? You came out of the retail world. You, you did spend a little time in retail as well. I did, yeah. You know what? I thought for a little while there I might want to get out of the event business and moved over to United Cycle. And, oh, okay. Yep. Uh, I was, you know, I was helping out. The reason I chose United Cycle is they're so involved in the community and they get so involved. involved in yep. different things. And I was helping out at uh, the little big run with the university. Uh, and Jim Dennison at the time, who was, you know, leading that, looked at me. He's like, what are you doing in retail? You're an event guy. You need to get back into events, and uh, true enough, within twelve months, I, I was back in the events world. Um, Someone couldn't make the appointment. You stepped in and got your next opportunity. That was it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So it was. You know what? One of my favorite spots um, to go to is you know the antique mall. Oh, okay. Just south of White Just Island. next to uh, United, United Cycle. Cycle. Yeah, that's that's an my... eclectic little uh, display offering of everything under the sun. It is. We do so. All my nieces and nephews' gifts, Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, come okay. from that mall. Okay. So they know they're one of a kind. What unique. What's your is is it old old magazines? Is it is it toy collectibles? <laughs> what What do you like to see the most in the antique mall? So I, I, what I get there is old tools. Okay. Um, yeah, some old tools and there's some old furniture and things to, like that. To work with or to display? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with old I, tools? I usually get them with the idea of working with them. <laughs> then they end up in a drawer. <laughs> the most impressive workbench yeah, ever. Yeah, you wouldn't believe the number yeah. of planes and chisels that I've never been yeah. used <laughs> in my workbench. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, that was really cool. Interesting. Well, yeah, that's yep. one of my favorite spots. I love yep. that. And, you know, Edmonton's got so many cool little unique shops that just yep. pop up. Downtown is really revitalizing itself, and it's got some cool spots. So in your time in, in the region, can you can you think of that defining Edmonton story that, that you were fortunate enough to be, like, right there or, or were <laughs> a part of? Is there anything you can think of that pops to mind? Oh, I, um probably got a few one of my favorite stories and when I was in high school is when the Oilers made their last big playoff okay. run um, and I remember at that time you could buy group tickets so way up in the nosebleeds the last row so we're talking about the 1990 97. Stanley Cup oh okay oh, we're, we're, uh, okay I think uh, not the 06 not the 06 sorry the one before that Okay. Yeah, as well, well I'm just you said a high school, so just a date. Right <laughs> You're 58 years old, 58 right? 58 years old. Yes. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I <don't. laughs> the um, uh, so that was when you could still get those packages. Okay. Where you could buy 10 tickets for like 200 dollars, even to like the playoffs. No, and uh, so a bunch there. of my buddies yep. and friends and I, we got the tickets, the group tickets, um, and we got a bunch of them, and we decided to be fun that we were going to dress up in all of our children's Oilers gear. Okay. So we all pulled out the old jerseys the, from like kindergarten and junior high <laughs> and the, the old corduroy hats and um, the Velcro wallets. And we got dressed up in this gear 
and uh, we went to the we went to the game, and we're up in the top row, and we were just as loud as we could possibly be, as obnoxious as we could possibly be, and. Uh, after that, for the next season, when they were trying to get interest ticket sales, and throughout the whole year, they had their commercial, their orders. Yeah. You, were, you were the poster child? We were on there. We were oh, up there, and our tie squeezed into these tiny little jerseys that, you know, you had to cut off of us afterwards, and just acting like complete jackasses, and it was, we made the commercial. And that was, like, awesome. the highlight moment. Yep. So, like, the next year, yep. we were the poster boys, yep. the commercial uh, for the Oilers. That, that's great. Did you get any royalties out of the deal? No, that, no, not that, at all. Uh, that reminds me, I think it was the O2 Grey Cup. I uh, I played a good practical joke on my dad. I, I convinced him via a made-up alias that I was one of the guys in the posters for the O2 Grey Cup. <laughs> and I was quite upset that they were using my image. And uh, it's a long story, but a good one. Uh, buy me beer one day if you ever want to hear that story, <laughs> folks. Uh, you, you've obviously got, like you said, a few sleepless nights right now, and and you've got such a major event coming up, and I know you're excited about that. But if you if you look ahead for Edmonton's horizon the next 10, 20 years, maybe with a bit of an event uh, mm-hmm. a view, what what do you hope for for the community down the road? Uh, you know what? I hope I hope the city of Edmonton doesn't take their foot off the gas. You know, Edmonton has a very strong reputation internationally for hosting events. I think it was two years ago they were ranked third in the world, and, you know, third wow. for sport hosting out of, you know, the Londons and the New Yorks and the Paris and Tokyo and so on and so forth. Edmonton was number three. And uh, I know that started to slip. Um, and I really hope the, you know, the tourism and the city and the, the community don't take their foot off the gas. Uh, it's, I think it's important for Edmonton. I mean, you, you kind of hear it time and time again, but, you know, you need a reason to come to Edmonton. Do you, uh, do you think part of it is, you know, there's obviously been a lot of financial pressure on, on the major events mm-hmm. where it's kind of getting to the point where only the, the super cities, the mega cities are able to host things like the Olympics and that just yeah. just because of the the barrier to, to entry. What what are your thoughts on that? Will, will things have to change or will it just continue on that path? No, I think it has to change. Yep. Um, and I think you're starting to see it change. I think you're seeing it with on uh, at the Olympic level right. um, with LA and Paris where, you know, they came in and told the IOC that, you know, here's our bid, take it or leave it. You know, we're not building major new facilities, major complexes for you. We, you know, we'll do a great job. We'll host fair, safe competitions. We'll put you on the sport on the stage and the athletes on a great global stage, but we're not, it's not excess anymore. Right. Um, it's constantly outdoing. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. a competition yeah. anymore. It's yeah. gotta be better than the last, better than the last. It's, it's, you know, the whole point of, you know, Olympic sport and sport was built around the athletes. It was around, you know, Olympianism is sport and culture. Right. So it's show, it's providing a venue for these athletes to yep. showcase themselves and providing a host nation and region to showcase itself. Yep. And it was kind of, it's definitely getting away from that. So I think you're seeing it even at that level and definitely, I mean, at the Commonwealth Games, University Ad Games, um, you're seeing them relax a lot more on their criteria for right. bids. Uh, and you're seeing, um, you know, cities that are just not willing to put the money forward um, to do the, you know, the latest shiny thing. Right. You, you mentioned Commonwealth. Um, you know, one of the greatest benefits of these major events is is the infrastructure it leaves behind for, for the community. Mm-hmm. 
Um, is, is there anything development-wise in Horlack Park that, that you feel is, is adding to, to the park itself or just not that type of event? Yeah, no, it's uh, the events. I mean, events, I always view events. They're kind of like a, like a lightning rod. Like they attract attention. They attract yeah. funding, you know, new projects, get light, green lighted, so on and so forth. That's what events do. Yeah. Um, our event around Horlack Park, you know, we've worked for a number of years with the city. We're a strong partnership with the city. You know, they're our, our strongest partner. Um, and the other festivals that happen down there. And the city's always been really responsive to our needs in Horlack. Uh, I know uh, Shiloh Kelly, who's been leading this charge of this triathlon for many years yep. and, you know, a step back to for myself to step in. She has, you know, a retirement legacy project of, you know, creating a non-accidental beach in Horlack Park. Okay. So turning that yep. lake into a year-round swimmable facility. Very cool. Uh, There's a I, lot of development going on right now in, in Horlack with, with the new uh, new amphitheater. I, I yeah, this new on. plaza, this new yeah. community yep. foundation plaza. Yep. Yeah, so it's um, uh, they are, and they're slated, uh, I think, in 2023 to start retrofitting all the buildings and you know the infrastructure cool. and the power yep. and so on and so forth. So I'm glad to see that the yep. city is, you know, there was talk about for a while that, you know, the city was maybe looking at transitioning Horlack Park to a passive park away from an active park. Which okay. An active park is a park that's, you know, it's developed in the, the infrastructure there and it's programmed such for events and, yep. you know, use by major uh, initiatives. And then a passive park is more, you know, the park you take your dog for a Frisbee. walk in. Frisbee and a playground. And, oh, interesting. Yeah, so, but I know um, because Horlack Park, I mean, Horlack is a jewel of the city. They they've you know decided that no this is going to be an active part well, i say i invest in it we were talking earlier i remember the 2001 world championships and in sitting in commonwealth stadium while while the marathon was going on right. and and the helicopter shot we're watching this on the screen and i'm like man that is beautiful <laughs> where is that <laughs> and none of, none of us had uh, seen horlack park from that view before and and uh you're you're totally right it's a it's a significant jewel of the community and well, I wish you nothing but success on, on that. For anyone listening, if, if they want to follow along or, or get more information about you or, or the triathlon, where could, they, where could they go? Yeah, they can, they can go to our website, edmonton.triathlon.org. Okay. They can follow us on social media, you know, at WTS, World Triathlon Series Edmonton. Okay. Uh, or hashtag WTS Edmonton. Uh, and building towards 2020, we've, you know, adopted the slogan before the Raptors are doing their run. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, do North. It's okay. very similar to We Are the North, um, but, you know, it's due north, and it's, you know, embracing what we are. We are the, a very northern city, and we very are the cool. northernmost host of this event yeah. ever. Uh, so and we're not shying away from what we are. So due north 2020. Look awesome. Well, uh, folks, please check it out, and if there's a way to get involved, I'm sure there's still some, some volunteer opportunities. And oh, yeah. That definitely is what makes Edmonton uh, uh, so great, is just the support from the volunteers to make these great events happen. Uh, folks, thanks for joining us. Uh, Stephen Bordeaux, so glad you could join us and, <laughs> and tell us a bit more about what, you know, what you've done and, and where you're going, what you're doing. Like you said, uh, events is such a, a very important part of, of Edmonton's past and definitely its future and I uh, wish you great success and uh, thanks for popping into the Yegme podcast. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, buddy. Thanks again for joining us, folks. I'm Rob Lullisher and this has been the Yegme podcast. Be sure to visit our website, www.yeg.me, for more information on the show and some of our past podcasts. 
Also some fun Yeg swag you can check out. All kinds of good stuff on the yeg.me website. And we look forward to seeing you in future episodes. <laughs>